Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for listening in. This is um, the second part to our MS conversation that we were having. I have a caregiver now in the studio. I'm going to ask her to introduce herself, and then we'll just jump right in. Thank you, Ali. Thank you for having me as well. It's really a pleasure to be here. I'm Sadiqa Kibbi, and I'm a mother of four. I have three sons, and Rana is my eldest daughter. And uh, I moved to the UAE a year and a half ago, and I'm also Lebanese. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I'm going to jump right in because the audience have already heard um, Rana on the previous episode. You know, as a, as a father, you know, my kid sneezes and I'm in a panic. Like, oh my God, what's wrong? Are you okay? Do I need to take you to the, to the hospital? Are you okay? Are you okay? And, and, you know, I was in the delivery room when my daughter was born. I, I think I have never felt more joy and more helpless in my entire life at the same time. Yeah, I know that feeling. I was like, this is really cool, but. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't know how to do And you know, my daughter started college last month. She's eighteen now. And Bless. Thank you. And but I, st- I still see her as this big. I still see her as a three-year-old running around. Baba, let's make brownies. And Baba's making brownies. Now she don't got time. Baba, I'm busy. I gotta go hang out with my friend. Like, you know. So I think parenthood is, for me, that was that was where my life pivoted. You know, a lot of my friends talk about, you know, we have conversations, we talk. Um, some of my friends got married early in life, some got married late, you know, all of them had kids at different times. And we've always had these conversations. And I tell them, I'm like, I didn't feel a shift in my life when I got married. It was, all right, this is cool. I got a, I got a roommate. Cool. You know, type of vibe, whatever. But when my daughter was born, that is the distinct point in my life where I can say before and after. I fully agree. How did it feel when, when you were in uh, Rana? You were in the UAE at the time, and your mom was in Lebanon. Yeah. So I'm assuming there was a phone call that happened. Yeah. How did that go? When uh, at first, when I received the phone call, it was my brother actually that called me. He lives here as well. So uh, the first phone phone call I got is that Rana is feeling dizzy and she's not feeling well. And uh, we decided to bring her back home. But he did not tell me the diagnosis at first, so he kind of hid the whole thing. And I was alarmed. So as a mother, when you, you, you feel that there are words that are not being said and there is more to the story. Yeah. So this made me kind of really push him to give me what was happening. And I was, no, this is... Nothing to be alarmed about, to bring Rana home, just a simple dizziness, I can come. But he said, no, we're coming. And then he he said that she might have multiple sclerosis uh, or a virus as the doctor here gave his diagnosis. And uh, be prepared, she's gonna be on a wheelchair. And uh, when we land and come out of the airport so please don't show try to hide your feelings no tears i would be beside myself yeah no way i yeah i'm emotional now so he was kind of preparing me so try to be strong uh keep your tears to yourself don't show that to rana but 
it really hit me and I was in disbelief. So the first thing was, uh, no way my daughter can have MS. No way this is happening to us as a family. And I really couldn't process. And I was anxious and uh, while waiting for her to come so I can see with my own eyes to, to understand what was really the real situation. So there we were at the airport, her three brothers, her father, myself. And uh, I saw her coming out. She had a patch on one of her eyes because her vision was affected. She was in the wheelchair and my brother was pushing that wheelchair. There was those, uh, you know, inner tears that were bubbling and I was kind of suffocating. And uh, with the help of God, I kept my tears to myself. And uh, yeah, she was in my arms and immediately we went to the doctor's clinic. We had the appointment prepared. And as she told you, everybody barged into the clinic because there was no way to keep three brothers <laughs> outside. They wanted to hear Watch everything <laughs> for themselves. Yeah. And then she was admitted to the American uh, hospital in Beirut for to do all the tests and stuff. But still until then, I was in disbelief. I, I it, it could be anything, but not MS. This yeah. is what was going in my head. You know, I was just that's what I was going to ask you next. At, at one point, did you go from, you know, because this this is how my brain has worked ever since I had a kid. And I can't explain the logic to people who don't have children. Uh, even when I actually I can't explain it to anybody. I think when I was younger, my mom used to say, when you have your child, you'll understand who <laughs> I understand. Mom, I understand. You know, so for me, anytime something's happened with the kids, I my I automatically go to Baba's going to fix it. I will figure it out. I will get on the laptop and I will research and I will call and I will, I, Baba will, don't worry, Baba got you, Baba's going to fix it, this is my job. You know, at some point when the diagnosis got verified, you know, and then you had that shift in mindset that, oh, this is real. Mm -hmm. This is not anything else that I wish it was that could be solved. How did that, how did that feel? Well, you know, in that uh, hospital room, while everybody was buzzing around her, like uh, there was the doctor, there were two doctors actually, and a few interns as well. And uh, I stood in that corner because I had traumas with my three sons as well when it comes to health issues. So it has been a long journey when it came to health with my kids and... Uh, at some point, it affected me. I collapsed mentally, emotionally, and I had to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist as well. And happening to Rana after all these years, I was like, this cannot happen again. You know, so I was in that corner. You can say I was totally frozen. There were no facial expressions. There were, I, I, I kind of disconnected. This is what I remember. I completely disconnected and she felt it and her brothers felt it. And uh, when the doctors left, or before the doctors even left, there's this uh, humorous incident that happened and I turned it into a speech later. 
her eldest brother noticed that I was completely disconnected and he was like uh, out of the blue um, while the doctors were still there and buzzing around and he was like, Rana, how come you didn't shave your legs? <laughs> and everybody was just laughing. And then I was, uh, her reply was like, Abudi, please. Let me regain my vision and I will wax, I will do a laser, I, I will I'll do anything. But please let me figure out what's happening first. And then here kind of he turned around to me and he was like, Listen, Mom, you always told us that do never allow the fickle finger of fate to kind of uh, tumble your life because life happens. And you can't do anything. But keep focusing, be keep stay focused and, and try to figure out what is happening, the challenges that are happening, and try to control them, try to manage them. Do not allow fate to manage your life because you are the storytellers and writers. So here he brought me back in the room. That's but I was in complete devastating moment I can say mm -hmm. on that moment oh, I can't I can't even begin to imagine I can't there, there are certain things my brain refuses to process and then as a parent that's gotten more more restrictive over the years you know you yeah. my kid's cell phone is switched off my my head is thinking they've been kidnapped and taken to Mars you know like I know it's a hundred percent illogical most probably they're hanging with their friends as they usually are and the phone got, you know, battery ran out or whatever. And, you know, I mean, but these things, again, like, you know, as a parent, you're always trying to fix. I remember when the kids first got these iPhones and whatnot. And I told them, I said, listen, you want to have the privilege of having a phone? There's two very basic rules, two rules. Baba has two rules. First rule, if I call, I don't care where you are, what is happening. If you're in the middle of a movie, you're in the bathroom, I don't care, you answer. Mm -hmm. You never not answer. This is rule one. Rule two, your phone cannot run out of battery ever. Take, take a suitcase full of battery banks if you need, it cannot run out. If any of these, and this, this by the way still stands, yeah. if any of these two are violated, I will give you a lanyard to hang around your neck <laughs> with one of the old Nokias that runs for like one week. And your smartphone will be taken away. Yeah. They've taken it to heart. Alhamdulillah, Ya <laughs> I have never had a situation where they don't answer or whatever. At, at best, now my daughter is in, um, well, well, they were in school or even now that she's in college, I'll just get a text, Baba in class. I'm like, okay, call me after. That's like the exception. Yeah. If you're in class, just at least you text me back. I know you're alive. You, know, you haven't been kidnapped. Talk to me about after, you know, when she was going through the initial treatment and, you know, this is when it's fresh and the whole family's trying to deal with it. And, you know, you're, you're obviously seen as a figurehead in the family. When, uh, when all this happened and that moment in the hospital, I kind of pulled up my mess, if you want. And, uh, I just remembered my three sons and uh, what I went through. And ever since, I mean, my uh, my eldest son who comes after Rana immediately 
he had an issue at the age of two and uh, and there and then I was I would never ever treat my kids as lesser human being and Sadika now this is going to be implemented again Rana is still Rana nothing has changed although she has multiple sclerosis now although she will have uh, let's say a certain condition or whatever but Rana will, will remain Rana and uh, there and then I made the decision that she would remain independent. And I have to give her that independence. I'm not going to be that suffocating mother who's going to be over her head all the time, helicopter parenting, whatever. No, she will continue to do whatever she's done. She will do her choices. She will do, and I'll be there to support. She will know that I will be there at any time, whenever she needs to speak, whenever she needs any support, I'm there for her, but nothing more. She will lead her life as she used to lead her life. That's amazing. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> my, my daughter makes fun of me now. She goes, Baba, you call me now more than I'm at college than I was at school. I'm like, so? What's your problem? <laughs> I call you as much as I want. Don't bug me. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is um, you were also grandma. Yes, I am. You know, when the diagnosis came in and you flew out to Lebanon, you had children, you know, um, so you were grandma at the time. Yes. You know, ever since I had kids, my mom calls me and I answer the phone. Hello, mama. How's everything? Good. How's Abdullah? Good. How's Zoha? Good. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, mama, I'm also okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, like I have, I've just been like ignored <laughs> ever since I had kids ignored. My mom lives 10 minutes away. She comes over every day, every other day, not to see me, not to see, and I've said this many times, I've told her too. I'm like, at least, at least maybe once, just fake say I'm here to see Ali. <laughs> just fake say it. She literally called, oh, we're thinking of coming, me and your dad. Uh, where's Abdullah and Zoha? Uh, Zoha's in college. She's not gonna be back till late. Abdullah's gone with his friends. Okay, we'll come tomorrow. Um, Mama, I'm home. You can come see me. <laughs> So how how did it feel? You have grandchildren in the picture, and now your daughter, you know, got rolled in in a wheelchair. What were your thoughts towards the grandchildren? Well, when uh, Rana uh, was brought in with my brother to Lebanon, the the kids were still here with their father because they had school. So they came in later. She was out of the hospital and she was back home. And uh, by the time I got hold of my emotions and shoved everything on the shelf till later and uh, you know something that we have a saying in Arabic which means uh, the, uh, who is more pressured, precious than your child or your grandchild yes. children and this is not true your children will, will remain the most precious gifts you've ever had my grandkids i love them so much of course they are very precious of course but i'm here to spoil them i was just gonna Not say more than that i asked my dad no parenting <laughs> I, I, I asked my dad many years ago because my dad and me we've had a very traditional relationship in the you know there's a little bit of formality there's a little bit of distance there's a little bit of you know get your shit together son type of you know tough love which is fine. I grew up with it. I'm good. But 
my dad and my son are like best friends. Mm. Since he was since he was a toddler, they're wrestling and they're fighting. I come back from the university to the house. Two of the sofas are turned over. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, at, after a certain point, when Abdullah got bigger than my dad, and also my dad's now 70, I had to tell him, I'm like, Abdullah, you can't fight with Dada like this anymore. Why? Why can't I fight with him? I want to fight with him. I'm like, you are very big. You will hurt him. And he's not going to say no he, because he wants to play with you. Find other ways to play. I, I never had the amount of play time they had. And I, and I not because I was jealous, but I just was inquisitive. I'm like, Baba, you are so different. Mom also. But mom is, you know, this motherly thing is there. I, I, she'll call me. Did you have lunch? Yes. Okay, I'm bringing lunch. Mama, I just said I had lunch. So what? You're going to eat another lunch. I'm making it. You know, so that's always still, even now it's there. But with dad, it was such a difference. I'm like, is this the yeah. same guy? Hey, is this, this my father? How, what? You'll experience that very soon. Inshallah. <laughs> and then he told me, I asked him, like, Baba, if you don't mind me saying, what the hell? I don't understand. He goes, with you, I had responsibility. Mm-hmm. With, your, with your kids, I have zero responsibility. Exactly. My job is to have fun. My job is to spoil them. I'm like, huh. This makes so much sense. No, this makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, so the the plan was when the kids uh, were amongst us is not to talk about MS, not at the, this stage, because first of all, Rana needs to figure out how she yes. talk to them about that. And it was just like mama's sick. That mm-hmm. that that was the only thing we, we spoke about. And we tried to uh, kind of have a schedule for them, activities, going out with their uncles and uh, with the rest of the family. And things went very well until Rana was okay and she regained um, her balance back, her vision back. She started slowly, slowly kind of introducing what was happening and what she was feeling about. And uh, yeah, this is how we worked it out with the grandkids. That's good. That's good. You told me you moved to the UAE a few years ago now? A year and a half ago. Good. How's, how's that been? You have, I'm assuming, much more interaction with your daughter and your grandchildren. Yeah, definitely. First of all, I have seven grandkids and number eight is on the way. <laughs> the best news, best news. Babies, yeah. babies, are, babies are blessings. Yes. You know something very important to keep yourself mentally and emotionally fit is to... Fill out your time. Al uh, Farag in Arabic or having this empty space doing nothing, it gets you worried. And it gets your mind ongoing and ongoing and you start having movies in your head. Yeah. yeah. You know, and drastic movies, not not happy movies, no. you know? So I'm glad that I am uh, an entrepreneur now. I'm glad that I have my own thing as well. And this is how, and I've always respected since the beginning, I always used to say I'm raising independent individuals, independent human beings. Because you never know, maybe this second I might leave this planet. So you never know. So I I need to equip them. I need to... uh, as Rana said, the power is within. I need to help them find that power for them to keep going. So I'm, I'm so, this is my 
utmost, if you want, fulfillment in life that I know that I've brought up independent uh, human beings to this life. And I think that's they know how to, 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 I mean, they know how to face challenges. They know how to overcome whatever obstacles they might encounter in their lives. And uh, when coming here, of course, Rana now is close. She can reach out more easily, but she's independent. I don't hover over her head. Uh, even the grandkids, as you said, like your dad, I'm best friends. Yep, yep. Anytime they want to come over, they sleep over at my place. We have our own uh, special moment. Excellent. Yeah. So Rana's leading her life as she used to lead it. Nothing has changed. Alhamdulillah, I like it. I like I like when I hear it. This is this is very nice. What what advice would you have to caregivers who are you know freshly dealing with somebody in their family having been diagnosed with some? Yeah, first of all, take care of yourselves because if you're not strong, if you're not mentally healthy and emotionally healthy, you cannot take care of other people. The first thing you need to do is take care of yourselves. So you can offer care and give care to whomever is around you. So that's number one. Number two, do not hover over their head. They still have, they still are human beings. They still are, as I said, uh, they're no lesser human being. So the power is in them. Help them find that power. Whether, if, if you cannot help them do that, maybe you can, um, kind of give them an advice to join a course, a workshop, keep going, uh, do their passion, whatever they, they want to do, help them do it. And uh, number three, keep in mind that we're not eternal beings and these people need to uh, stand on their own feet no matter what and uh, find their way through their challenges and obstacles. So, yeah, and, and then something very important. Mental health is not a taboo. Depression is not a taboo. We are human beings. We have our ups and downs. Reach out for help. There is nothing wrong with going to a psychiatrist, psychologist, a coach, anyone that can give you that support or that can give you mainly that listening ear. Because as we were uh, speaking earlier, we thought listening was listening. Actually, we hear. We, we hear. don't. We don't yes. listen. But listening is a totally different level. I mean, you, you really need to listen to those people. You really need to be there, present. And I like this quote by John Maxwell, who is my mentor, actually. And he says, life is in session. Are you present? That's so, being, I agree. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Excellent. I really, really appreciate the time you took out to come talk to us today. Most welcome. I'm so happy to be here and pleasure and any help I can offer. I think this is exactly what we're doing now is exactly what yeah. she did. And, you know, we were discussing this prior to recording is that the more conversations we're able to have, the more conversations we're able to share, you know, even if one person has the courage to say, you know what, I'm not having a good day. I'm not okay. Exactly. I, I, I need to reach out and ask somebody for help. I think that makes all the difference. Um, you know, going to go back to what my mom has taught me over many years. And she, she, one of the things she says, even now, she goes, 
whatever little you do will create ripples and, yeah. and ripples of wellness in your community and your society. That's so you keep fighting the good fight and you keep doing whatever you can in the capacity you can. And then with time and with effort, people will come to the cause and people will help with the cause and the word will spread and goodness will spread. It's, it's in the nature of goodness to be spread. Yes, so true. Thank you so much once again. Everybody, thanks for listening in. Thank you. I'll have a lot of details down on the texty part of the posts so you can click and look at the different resources that are available and the information that is. Once again, thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you.